We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me, so I'm just going to go plug the YouTube channel, uh, Seahawks Man to Man on YouTube, even if you are one of our audio listeners on Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, whatever. Please just hit the subscribe button to bring your butt right back to Spotify. That's cool. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. All right, we are coming to you guys after a win, a Seahawks win. When's the last time a Seahawks won a game, Chris? Halloween? Feels yeah, like I think it's Halloween. been that long. <laughs> it's a long time. Won a game since they go the whole month of November without winning a game? Correct. Oh, no, they didn't. They sure the hell did go the entire month of November without winning a game. So excuse us if we don't know how to behave here after the Seahawks one, because we haven't done this in a little bit. It feels like it's been so long. Um, 30 days without a win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. that that it's got to be longer than that. They won on Halloween. It's December 5th. So it's got to be something. 37. <laughs> yeah. You're you going to do a math on the show again. That's a, do that at your own risk. <laughs> you know that ain't my thing. I, I, I So – Salute to the Seahawks for winning the game. Pop some champagne. Yeah, they needed to win. You know, go get lit. You know, cuddle up with your loved one. Hit the club. Whatever you want to do, right? That's fun. They got to win. They needed to win. They needed to beat a division opponent. You know, and they usually beat the Niners. So, good for them. They swept the Niners. (laughs) The Niners. (laughs) Yes, that is very good. But as you guys can probably guess, we got to rain on the parade a little bit. And I hate doing you know, because it's a weird space to be in. And I wrote about this a little bit. The Seahawks have every right to celebrate their asses off after winning the game against a division opponent like that, down to the wire. Like, they work all day. You know, guys be in the training room. They practice all week. Film, rehab, cool. When it, when you when the product is ends up how you like it, celebrate. But we are living in a different world than the rest of the team. The team believes 
I don't really know how many other people still do. Like, it's still fun to watch the games. I'm going to Houston. I'm going to Arizona. I'm going to L.A. I'm still going to travel. still going to cover the team. But there's a disconnect. And I think people can feel it, being like, all right, that's great. You're four and eight. They're still putting up these graphics of which teams is in the hunt. And the Seahawks still in. (laughs) That is always funny. Yeah, I'll be looking for the Seahawks. And they did a little, all right, here's who's in. Here's here's who got the wild card. Here's in the hunt. Damn, Seahawks ain't even in the hunt. That's uh-huh. messed up. They're with the Lions. Think, right. They, they're down there with the Lions and, and the Bears. I think the Bears are out of it, too. Like, I think today boosted their chances of making the playoffs from about 1% to about 3%. That's good. Like, what, are we supposed to do? what am I supposed to do with 3%? Come on, man. I'm not nobody's agent. That 3% ain't doing nothing for me. So it's a, it's a very weird space. And we're going to continue to be in this space for, what, the rest of the month into week 18, where even if they win games, it's like, I don't know if they're at the point where we can start scoreboard watching and because they gotta win, they gotta win literally every game. They gotta hope that every other the other teams that are in the hunt, they suck all of a sudden. Like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They need every team in the hunt to stop hunting. And then they either <laughs> gotta hunt their asses off, right? And that's that's just unrealistic, right? But it's you don't want to steal somebody's shine. So it's a very tricky space. And, and anybody who read the story I, I wrote Sunday night can see like it's hard to even navigate that. Like after the game, I'm like, okay, what do I do? Do I hype up Travis Homer's fake punt? Do I hype up finally getting the impactful play from Carlos Dunlap? Do I hype up um, Russ looking like himself again? Hype up the run defense, like all of these positive things? Or do I highlight that they still don't have a pass rush, still can't run the ball, uh, you know, uh, still weren't great on third down offensively, 5 of 15, like all of these. It's, it's weird balance. So let's do a little bit of everything, shall we? Let's do a little bit of it. It's all of it, man. It, it is. So here's here's what I'm gonna do. Here's the good things, Chris. We got the let's let's run through the positives. Let's do that because people want to hear. They won. It. Yeah, they won. <laughs> they won the game. They threw the ball. Or not saying they they rushed through the ball to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett quite a bit. What did they combine for? Sixteen targets, I think it was. On That's cool. And caught twelve balls for. Damn, I almost talked myself into doing math. Over 100 yards. Let's just go 120 <laughs> and some man. change. Yeah, 120 and some change. Uh, 128, actually. I can do that math. And a touchdown. Touchdown, Tyler. Great ball. Um, they connected on a couple passes in obvious passing situations. Tyler's was, I think, a third and six, his touchdown over Josh Norman, who was cooked at this point in his career. The Niners should stop playing him. Were they talking about him on the broadcast? Were they talking about Josh Norman? I wasn't. He's ass. Keep going. Well, who? Because the broadcast was what? It was a Tiki Barber, Ronde Barber. It was. One of the it, was it was one of the barbers. Because I know if it was Ronde, they might have been talking about a DB. That's why. If it's Tiki, then maybe not. But I, I would have watched that game on mute as soon as I seen one of them barbers. <laughs> but so you got the Tyler Lockett play on third, third down. When the Seahawks are hitting on third down, they're very hard offense to stop because they have weapons. The DK hit on what third and fourteen. Huge play. Huge, huge, huge. The type of play that. I think, Chris, me and you both expected a draw on third and 14. Like, come on. Tell me you weren't expecting a draw. You expected a draw on third and 14? Here's what I was expecting. I was expecting a screen to Penny Hart. (laughs) I was expecting a screen to Travis Homer. I was expecting potentially a screen to Gerald Everett or or a draw to Rashad Penny or Travis Homer. There you go. Those are my options. Yeah, neither one of us expected a, a, a heave. Uh, to DK Metcalf against cover two, right? Because if they're going to heave it to DK and cover two, you can do that every play. 
you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, playing cover two all the damn time. Um, so I think that there were there were some encouraging things, particularly offensively in that regard. You know, again, Russ looking like himself, big plays in the passing game. Hell, the Seahawks even ran a screen well. I think Rashad Penny had a 27-yard, you know, or uh, catch and run on a screen. All of these are good things. What we got defensively that was good. Um, what did Elijah Mitchell have? 66 yards and 21 Something carries? Around there. Yeah, yeah. He, didn't, he didn't have a great day. That was good. No, that's not – I mean, he scored, so there's that. But, I mean, you got 21, 21 uh, carries for 66 yards. It's not like he didn't kill you, right? And I know their game plan was for him not to kill you. Um, they forced turnovers. They got the one on special teams. They got Bobby's pick. They got Quandre's pick. They uh, got a safety, so they scored on defense. They were good on third down again on defense with three of ten. I think the Niners were offensively like positives. Um, Sidney Jones had some impactful plays. You know, you always want to hope he has more good plays than bad plays because he can be a bit of a roller coaster. But he's he's starting to make some uh, an impact multiple games in a row, so that's good. What else we got? Are we out of, are we out of positive? Al Woods played good again. Um, I wish the broadcast talked more about him, man. He's he's a beast, man. He's a beast. The Hawks were like, yeah, why don't you come on back, man? We missed you. They did. They really did. I had someone. Um, t- I talked to someone on the team after the Jamal trade, um, and they was like, "Yep, that's good, but we we still missing like an Al Woods type of player." I really wish we could we could get that. Um, and that's why the signing of Snacks was so such, such a big deal, but or could have been such a big deal. But anyway. I think That's I'm out the, of positives. Is that, yeah. is that yeah. you, you? You talked on the, talked about the turnovers, safety. Mm-hmm. You, you go ahead and get to the negatives, man. It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to. We only like ten minutes in. We don't got no more positives because I don't want to rain on the parade the whole rest of the show. If they're four that's and eight, eight, what you mean? Yeah, that's that's that's. <laughs> that, that's I can true. see if they're eight and four. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Um, we call that nitpicking, but they three they four and eight, man. Keep it real. Yeah. Keep it a buck. Yeah, George Kittle was cooking again. Um, yeah, that's that's tough. Uh, okay, it's time <laughs> to go to the other side now. Let's go to the other side. Uh, defensively, should we start defensively with the other side of the? Uh, of the start wherever game? you're comfortable. Go with it. Defensively, Chris, they still don't have a pass rush. It's week what? Uh, Thirteen. About it's to be week four. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's what it is to not have. A pass rush. I think yeah. they had three quarterback hits today, and I think one of them is the sack. I think LJ actually had one, and I'm pretty sure Rasheem had one as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's not good. You cannot – they're not going to rattle off, you know, how many – what, five more wins, you know, against some good teams uh, sprinkled in there with the Rams and the, and the Niners with – with that little bit of quarterback pressure, I don't have the pressure numbers in front of me, but you can't do that. They were five of 15 on third down. Some of that was Gerald Everett who just had the worst game of his life. I almost felt bad for, for Gerald. Cause that's not even almost, I do feel bad for him. Cause you know, he's, he's a better player than that. Yeah. But I don't know what my man was, was doing today, boy, that, that he was about to cost them the goddamn game. It was yeah. just unlucky to be honest. Really was. Yeah. The, like for him to pe- he he, he should have caught it, but he was he's trying to make a play on it. <laughs> it hit him. So for him, the, the, this is behind him. Well, this is why I feel really bad for him because it's like on the goal line one, he's tucking the ball, like doing what you're supposed to do, and loses yeah. it. Yeah. And then think about the ball he caught last week 
for a touchdown against Washington. Same play. To, to catch that and then have this one hit you in the gut, right? Like the very next week, it's like, damn. That's like you said, just very, very unlucky. But 5 of 15 on third down, I believe if I have this correct, they started 0 for 4. Hang on, I got you. So the first possession, yep. Second possession, yep. Third possession, incomplete the DK, and their fourth one, Myers missed the field goal. So I don't know how you want to play that. So yeah, well, they, I think they went over. If they're kicking, they missed it. Uh, yeah, over four. They, yeah, over four, and then they convert on whatever, however many after that. But I think after Tyler's touchdown on third and whatever in the third quarter, I don't think they convert another third down the whole rest of the game. <laughs> like, it's and they did, and they did not score after that right after Tyler's um, touchdown. Why? Because they didn't have any, they didn't convert any third downs. Like they, their offense is like wholly reliant on converting on third down, which is very bad because they are still after today, the worst third down offense in the NFL, right? Like, ah, man, we're running on parade pretty tough here. So they're four and eight. What did, what did, what did Rashad, let's take out Travis Homer's fake punt, right? Cause that was well, 77 72 yards. yards. Okay. Or 72. Oh, what you got? I thought it was 72. <laughs> <laughs> oh damn! I think I wrote seventy-seven. Okay, know. well, either I'm wrong. Oh or you're shoot, wrong. seventy-three. Dang, we're both that's wrong. My, All right, that's my, <laughs> it was a seventy-seven-yard drive. That's what it was. Oh, okay, oops, seventy-three I, yard one. I, I whiffed. Okay. I whiffed on that. Um, in my story, I whiffed hopefully, too. Hopefully, my editors okay. caught that. Um, but take away that Rashad Penny, ten for thirty-five. Adrian Peterson had eleven carries that got sixteen yards. Gross, uh, guys. And Travis's other two carries got, um, what? I don't even know. Oh, seven yards or something like that. So moral of that story is they still can't run the ball. Not efficient. Right. And so these things worry me. And I think that it's not unfair to point them out after this game, even if we can like commend the win, because if you are at this point, no, seriously, if you're going to like, all right, guys, if you're the Seahawks and you want other people to come into this world of like, all right, we want to believe in you guys. We want to believe in you guys. Like I asked, I asked Ryan, uh, Ryan Neal after the game, I said, why should anybody outside the building believe in you guys? And the same question I asked Jamal like two weeks ago and they both, Ryan made one good point. He was like, dog, we ain't getting smoked. Um, but then at the end of the day, Ryan was like, even if you guys don't, you know, who cares? We believe that's ultimately all that matters. And I think Jamal said something very similar. I asked another player after the game and he was like, something was like it don't matter if y'all believe um you know but like I, it's funny i asked one player after the game i said why should we believe he was like because <laughs> and it was like that's, i i laughed because i was like man that's all you got because it's, it's, it's hard to think of anything else that's logical everything else is just based on hope and wishing there's nothing really concrete to really feel and and while we're looking at this team and anticipating how they can you know improve like now, people want to know: Can we beat the? Can we beat the Texans? Of course you can. Okay, if we do that, can we beat the Rams? Of course you can. But it's like, how are you going to do it? You're not going to be able to do it if you can't stay on the field on third down. You're not going to be able to do it uh, if you can't run the ball. You're not going to be able to do it if you can't pressure the quarterback. I mean, look at the team. I know the Rams won today. They won pretty handily, I believe. Yeah, uh, thirty-seven to seven. Smoke. Right. Them. They smoked Jacksonville, which is what people do. They smoked Jacksonville. But if you look at the games that the Rams had lost, um, it was when their quarterback was getting pressured and becoming a bad quarterback, right? It was Stafford becoming the Stafford from Detroit because he was getting pressured and doing dumb stuff. You have to pressure the quarterback to beat the good teams. Um, so I think 
And until you're pressuring the, the other team's quarterback at a consistent level, you're going to struggle. So, like, I'm happy for the Seahawks. Really am. You know, I was out there on the field, you know, right, uh, right there with D, D. Eskridge after he was signing autographs, people screaming his name. You know, he was so happy. Kid was, I call him a kid. I'm only five years older, but he was grinning like someone, like he just lost his virginity. Like that boy looked happy as hell. I'm sorry. That's the only metaphor I had. I'm sorry. Couldn't uh, think I got a bunch of gifts for Christmas. <laughs> no, I, I just, I was, I was thinking kid in the candy store and it just couldn't come out before the virginity thing. So, but anyway, he was so happy. Like they was playing Soldier Boy after the game. Soldier Boy. Out. I thought you had the ox in there, Chris, because, you know, Soldier Boy is your guy. That's not, that's not my guy. I don't listen to him. <laughs> Soldier Boy, like that's how you know how happy you got to be to play Soldier Boy in 2021. You got to be real happy, and I was happy for them. But then I got I got up to my notes, I got back to my laptop, and I sat there, I listened to some of the audio from my interviews, and I said, "Damn, I got some bet." Like, tell the truth, Monday is still gonna be pretty rough. Well, four and eight guys. <laughs> Not even just the record; it's gonna be some of the things that they see on tape. You know, like oh yeah, see absolutely. The, they're gonna yeah. see the good things. Honestly, Gerald's gonna have a very tough tell the truth Monday. <laughs> like, it's, you know, just call and pick, Gerald. I get it. Nah, you got you got to show up. You got to <laughs> do the job. You got to show up. But honestly, you know what, man? They might just have to skip them plays though, because it's stuff that he knows. Not like that he. What else he gonna do? Tell him to catch the ball in the end zone? Well, yeah, duh. He knows that. <laughs> like, I do. I do feel bad in, in, in that way. I just wished that not. I don't necessarily needed them to win by a large margin or get style points. It's ain't like the old college BCS system where you got to win by thirty, so that. You know, it's clear you can get in the Rose Bowl or whatever. But I did want to see them make specific strides in specific areas. And that is what troubled me today. You know, Russ still getting his boots smoked on some of these third downs. <laughs> I mean, just play, not plays where he extends the ball too low. Because he had, he had one of those where he just took a bad sack, I think. But he had one where he just got crushed. And it ended up being like third and 40. I was like, good Lord, Russ. I love the reference. Got his boots smoked. <laughs> Bro, he was. I felt because I could see it coming. I said, Russ, 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 bang. And then I'm looking at Dwayne Brown and like Ethan Posick just run as fast as they can, trying to dive on that loose ball. And I said, I wanted to see them. Like, I just want one game where Russ don't get sacked. That I don't know if that's possible. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't even remember the last time that's happened. I'd have to go back and look, <laughs> and look, look it at up. His, yeah, look at his whole game log. Like, uh, I can't remember the last time Russ didn't get it's probably been three or four years. I might guess. Uh, yeah, he's probably literally been sacked every game this year. So, and probably every game last year, too. So The I only just, time he didn't get sacked is when he wasn't available. Yeah, and even then, I don't know, he was out there running fake huddles. He might have got <laughs> he might have got fake sacked. Someone right. asked, did, did you take a sack there, Russ? Did you, did you practice that? Yeah, no, my man might have took a sack while running the fake two-minute drill. Uh, <laughs> let me see here. Damn, he's only had a few games where he hasn't been sacked. It looks like he hasn't had a game where he's been sacked since last year. Oh, that's not uh, bad. Okay. I was way off. Yeah, last year he had back-to-back games against the Jets and the Washington football team. Oh, that, that's a great ex- – there, there you go. <laughs> in which he was not sacked. Oh, man, but dang, he's only got like eight games or something in his career where he's never <laughs> been sacked. It's not a lot. Um, so, I, But I, I wanted to see that. I wanted to yeah. see them run it. Run it on somebody. God damn. Like well, how you sign Adrian man. Peterson – Get and you still can't like. Well, you said it last week. You said it's the old line. What can, if they can't block? It doesn't matter if they want to run the ball because there's no room to run. I just think run it a different way. You know, like look at when the Niners need to, to figure out how to move the ball. They they get like someone like Debo involved 
Oh yeah, they know. they they literally hand him the ball. <laughs> didn't I mean? Didn't George Kittle get a carry today? Like you know, for five yards. Like I just feel like other they teams find creative ways to get their players involved. They that's what that's exactly. what exactly specifically that's what in the Bay run game. Does. That's, that's what, what Kyle Shanahan does. I I feel you. Yeah, like specifically in the run game. If you're if you're like, if your thing is just all right, let's let's see if Rashad Penny can do it. Let's see if Alex Collins can do it. Let's see if Chris Carson can do it. Let's see if DJ Dallas can do it. Let's see if 57-year-old Adrian Peterson can do it. Like, guys, no. You're not just going to magically get better at running it between the tackles with your scheme, your zone scheme, or whatever that they that they have. So there were some very specific areas that I wish they would, uh, wish they would have been better in for me to have some faith going forward. The one thing I will say in the big picture, though, uh, is that Ryan Neal's correct. They're not getting their ass whooped. And I do think as we go through this month of December, and I think they have one game in January as well, I do think as we can watch this team, having fight does matter. Mm -hmm. It does, especially as you're trying to evaluate the value of your head coach. Because one thing that I really look at, whether this is college or the pros, one reason to obviously fire your head coach is if you're not winning. The other reason is if he's lost the locker room, winning or losing, because your belief in the locker room or the locker room's belief in you will determine everything, whether it's going to turn around or not, you know, or, or whether your winning will continue or your losing will continue, right? Either way. So what this tells me, their last few games, win or lose, they still fighting. Like, to the very end, you can just see the Pete Carroll imprint. Like, guys, if there's a second left on the clock, we got a chance. Hell, they had to recover the onside kick last week. Yeah. And it, all they would have had to do was complete, like, one sideline pass or something like that. And maybe Jason has a chance at kicking, you know, a game-winning field goal. He might have missed. Uh, but, like, you just never know. Like, and that was the, you know, I think that's a Pete thing. And I think that's a Pete thing that extends from him down to his leaders, Russ and Bobby. And it spreads up to the rest of the team. Yeah, that does matter to me at least. Like that—that that is something. Uh, like someone asked me today, one of the homies, um, he was like, "Yo, are they gonna fire Pete?" And I was like, "Well, Jody needs to know. Are are fans still showing up?" The answer is yes. The place was rocking today. You know, are the guys still believing in Pete? Like these are things she has to evaluate the whole rest of the of the year if she's gonna make that call. Because you you fire a coach if they're not playing for the coach anymore. Like if they're just giving up, pointing fingers, infighting, lock, you know, sideline tantrums, yada, yada, yada. There's none of that right now. And I do think that matters. Win or lose, they going down. Every game matters. Shit, Chris, this game got flexed. I thought this could have been a primetime game. Yeah, I saw your tweet. I started laughing. <laughs> what was the primetime game that they got put in their place? Was it any good? I didn't even watch it. Neither did I. I didn't watch it. I was busy trying to watch the Javante Davis fight and be watching some Seahawks stuff. So yeah, I, I didn't watch the game. It was the Chiefs in Denver and it was bad. Patrick Mahomes didn't even throw a touchdown. So there you go. Yeah, no, the final score was 22 29. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't look like it was competitive at all. You know, ugly uh, game. I didn't watch it. I'll be honest. So like I said, Javante and trying to rewatch Seahawks stuff, didn't really care for it. <laughs> so and, and so I, I will, I think we think that matters. As much as we ran on the parade for a little bit before we get into Twitter questions or any, uh, I know you uh, may, may have had some other stuff we didn't address, but that, that I do think that's notable. That at the end of the day, these cats are still fighting. Whether they're fighting for Pete or they're fighting for the dude next to him or some combination of the two, that is a team that if you're wondering whether if they ran it back with Pete, 
there could be some positives. I do think so. Because a team that doesn't give up will always like be in the fight. Yeah, you this know? is a this is a resilient team. I mean, if you if you've watched all the press conferences, they want this badly. They're not out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not out here like, yeah, we suck. We know it. So this is where we're at. No, they know they're better than what they've been provide what they've been showing this last month. Because we mm-hmm. mentioned in November they haven't won a game. They know that every game except maybe that Packers game, they had an opportunity to really win that game. They had it. They just didn't get it done. I mean, even the Packers game, they went into the fourth quarter. It That's was like true. three to nothing. Three zero. That is very true. That's yeah, a very like, good point. They was like, dog, we got a shot. And they did until Russ decided to throw it to the other team. Yeah. Like that, that. I do. I, I like that. I can. I, I appreciate that fight, and I can admire that fight because that's not. I mean, if, if people are watching the NFL, you can tell when the teams have just given up. Like you can just tell when they just don't got it, uh, and they're just ready for next year. I mean, I was talking to a player, you know, after the game who's been on some losing teams, and he was like, "Yeah, no, nah, this isn't like that." And this was this was kind of an off the record thing, which is why I'm not mentioning his name. But he was like, "Yeah, this is not like that." You know, you see guys in this time of year when they're three and eight or whatever. They plan a vacations. Yep. You know, I think Jamal Adams said it last year. Like, usually I'm thinking about where to send my cars, you know, back home. You know, where we're going. Yep. like he admitted that Jamal's been on bad teams. Uh, for what it's worth, I did not talk to Jamal. That's not the guy. Uh, but like, this is not that. And it could be that because, boy, exactly. this losing can get frustrating. You go a whole month without winning. That's tough. And it's not fun. A credit to Pete and some of the leaders in the locker room that this ain't that. And that's good because that's going to make it fun to cover. The Houston game is going to be fun. It's going to be weird. There's going to be some weird stuff happening. Weird stuff happens every Seahawks game. Hell, this um, Sunday but, against the Niners, that was a weird game. All the turnovers, all the back and forth. Yeah. A lot Who of uh, this game. <laughs> yeah. No, neither team wanted to win there for about 30 minutes. <laughs> neither but team yeah, wanted to win. This team is resilient. They have goals. Regardless if they make the postseason or not, they they want to win every week now. That's their goal, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. Hey, you look up, you finish 8-9. It's not where we wanted to be, but we executed week by week on what we needed to get done, especially with how the season has gone. You lose your quarterback for three weeks. He's supposed to be out for four to six weeks. He makes an incredible comeback and comes back in half that time because he wants to play. He has a goal. He wants to win Super Bowls. This team is still going to go out and fight. And if you, like I said, if you if you watch the the press game, the post game pressers, you would realize these guys are absolutely wanting to go out there and win. They want to do it for the fans. They want to do it because they love the game. All those intangibles. But some of the positives that I looked at was how well they played in certain situations, in certain spots. They were able to figure it out. Bobby Wagner coming up with big plays. Hell, you just caught an interception. Quandre Diggs being in the right position, making big plays. Things that worry. Worry me, they've nothing's really changed. You know, the first possession of the game, I'm like, cool. They try to go to DK. That's great. They go to Freddie Swain. I'm not mad at it. It's third and four. You throw a smoke screen to Travis Homer. Yeah, he was hot about that smoke screen. <laughs> I'll, it's funny you say how hot I was. I was literally in the midst of tweeting out, that's your third down and four. That's the play you run. But they ran that amazing fake punt. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't tweet that now. It looks stupid. But those are the things that you just have to change. I don't understand why you would think, okay, we got Tyler Lockett, we got DK. You know what? We're going to do a smoke screen to Travis Home. We're going to catch them off guard. No, you're not. You're not going to catch them off guard with that. What happened? It was a no game. They blew it up. They, I just Sometimes I just wonder what, who makes that call. Does Russ take the call and go, yeah, that, that works? Or does Russ, I just, I really want Russ to take accountability and realize you could probably change it, bro. 
you can go out there and say, yeah, Travis is cool and all, but I do have DK. I do have Tyler Lockett. I want to switch it up. I do have D. Eskridge, and we saw him score his first touchdown on Sunday. Shout out to D, getting his first touchdown. These are things that is are still issues, and we are way ahead of the season. We are in week 13, heading for week 14. It's almost like you said it's too late. But at what point are they going to make these small changes? I don't want to see smoke screens to Penny Hart. I don't want to see smoke screens to Travis Homer. I don't want to see a fade to Penny Hart. I don't want to <laughs> see a fade to Travis Homer. If you're going to throw those things, those routes, those call those plays, they should be to your playmakers. It's it's KYP. Know your personnel. I learned that a long time ago in basketball. Chris, you can't bounce past the basketball to a seven-footer. He's not going to be able to get it. You got to throw it high so he can catch it and lay it in. Same with football. You can't throw a smoke screen to Travis Homer on third and four. It's not going to be going to first down. No, I wrote it down. I was like, this. I circled it. It was like, this is what you run. And this was the same problem that we've been seeing, whether it be a Gerald Everett screen. I get it. He's very physical, but that's not his That's not his thing. Let Gerald Everett create in space. Give him, have him run in a zone, find a hole in it, and then throw it to him and let him get yards after catch. Don't throw it to him at the line of scrimmage, have him fighting through nine, ten guys. <laughs> I get it. No, I understand. He's a brutal. He's a he's a brute. He likes. He's physical, but make it simple. Go run a dig. Get to the sticks. Throw it to him. Okay, cool. He's gonna get the first down. Perfect. But I just don't understand some of the the game the game calls they make in certain situations in the first possession of the game. It's it's mind boggling. But I've said this enough that I I I guess I guess I should be used to it at this point, Mike. I guess I should realize that no matter what you say, Chris, they're just gonna do things their way, and it doesn't matter. Although they did come out and throw a screen to Deacon, I was like, cool, they got him involved. I keep giving them the ball, which I do think they tried. It was better than what we saw last Sunday, where they or last Monday, where they were like, yeah, we wanted to go to DK. It's like rush. You didn't even look his way, bro. I watched the tape. <laughs> you snapped the ball, and it was just like one read. Like, you might have pre-snapped, look, oh, there's someone over there 10 yards off, but I know my first route here is I'm throwing it there. You didn't even look, bro. Those are the things that I want to see that have changed, that change, and I want to see that continue. Not just, oh, we saw it on Sunday against the Niners, but against the Texans, DK has two catches for 37 yards. No, that's not that's not regress here. Let's keep, let's keep improving on that. And then the pass rush, I don't know what they can do. Maybe let Carlos get to the pass. Rush the passer. He's pretty good at it if he's going to get the opportunities. I know he's had a rough season, but he did have a big play today. A um, big play on Sunday with the safety. Also, the final play of the game, straight bull rush. I forget the tackle who he was destroying, but th- that was perfect. Just bull rush. Saw the quarterback winding up to throw. Hands up. The dude is 6'8". If he just rushes with his hands up, he's probably guaranteed a, a pass breakup every time. Guaranteed. He's just that physical, that tall and dominant. He can do it. Hopefully the Seahawks get him more out there on the pass rush because he can definitely improve, I think, this defense in that regard. But he's not getting the snaps. How many snaps do you say he played, Mike? Carlos? Yeah. Carlos played seven snaps today. So two of those I remember because he made big plays. Give him more opportunity. I know he I think the biggest issue with Carlos is that we he didn't get enough opportunity. I think if you probably looked at all of his snaps this year, he probably averages maybe less than 20, and he he needs to be out there more. And if he's out there more, maybe he makes more plays. But when he gets seven snaps and he doesn't do anything on those seven, well, let's look at those seven snaps. Is he dropping into coverage? Well, that's not his game. It's kind of like with Jamal Adams. You were saying with Sam Gold a few weeks back, 
with Jamal, you got to play him closer to the line of scrimmage because that's what he's good at. The more you, the closer you have him to the line of scrimmage, the higher probability he makes a play. Well, with Carlo Dunlap, mm-hmm. the closer to the line of scrimmage you keep him, the more chances he makes a play. If you have him back there trying to cover running backs, tight end, and wide receivers, well, that's just eliminating half of his game. His strengths are getting to the quarterback, getting his hands up, knocking passes down, causing deflection, just wreaking havoc. Hopefully, this team can continue to win and they can finish the season how they want to finish it, which is, I'm sure, winning out. Well, yeah, nine and eight, yeah. Yeah, that's the goal. That's what they're they're aiming for. I don't know if they can do it because they have a – it's not going to be easy. You got the Rams, you got the Cardinals. They should be able to smoke the Bears, should be able to smoke Detroit. They should handle the Texans next week, but you still got two big games coming up. So we'll see. That's all I really got. Let's see if they can do it. Did you have anything else, Mike, or you want to get to these Twitter questions? Because we got quite a few. One more thing on Carlos, man. I do feel bad for him, man. He's He played seven snaps today. Like, that's the same. He played fewer snaps than LJ Collier today. And I just, I mean, like he played, Carlos played fewer snaps than Bless Austin. Sorry, Mike. Can you actually look up, when you're looking at it, can you see all the snaps from game yeah, to game? Yeah. Oh, you're talking about from every game? Yeah. Is that possible on that screen, or do you have to, like, pull up multiple? Uh, I could, I could do it. What do you want to know? I just want to know pretty much his average snaps this season. Cause oh, I think that'll tell the story on why he's cause people have asked questions about Carlos. Like, Hey, why is he suck so bad this year? But it comes down to how many times he's played and what he's doing. Cause if you go back and watch the film, you can see that, Oh, let's say he played nine snaps one game, five of those. He was in pass coverage. <laughs> All right. So I guess the percentage would be a bit more helpful. That than, works. And then average, uh, he has played, Okay, because, yeah, you were about to have me doing math, and I was Sorry, not Mike. about that. Fair enough. So he's paid, played 37% of the team's defensive snaps. That's, uh, not, that's bad. Uh, no, yeah, that's not great. Uh, yeah. so like, you got to have him out there. Yeah, that's – Brian Monet's at 37. Uh, I get Robert's it, though. He's a D tackle. He's there for one thing only, stuff the run. <laughs> yeah, but see, like, they're both around the same, and Carlos is not – you know, out there, you know, Kim DJ with 17%, Trey Brown at 27%. So, like, he's, he's, I mean, Daryl Taylor's played more, Benson's played more, Kerry played more, Al Woods played about 53%, you know, Rashid yeah. 64. So, like, Carlos is, Carlos is used to be like a 60% type of guy. I think know? that's probably what we saw from him last season when he was cooked, when he was doing his thing, getting, taking sacks, doing all that. That's why they brought him in. Let's see. Before we get to the uh, Twitter questions, let's check. Let's, let's see what Carlos played last year. Forty-seven percent last year. So, oh, so it's a ten percent drop off. But you're seeing it. <laughs> that's well, for yeah. sure. He's a temp- He's playing fewer snaps and rushing the passer less. Yeah. So that's like the double whammy. So maybe bad for Carlos. So that's why I'm kind of glad that he got to have a little moment today because he's not. He didn't play any more today than he usually does. He yeah. just happened to, like you said, make a play. But that just shows you how like. Man, how frustrating it can be. Seven snaps. They had like 56 snaps today, which is actually not that much compared to what they usually have, but only seven for a guy that they gave a multi-year deal, multi-year deal to. Basically yeah. gave him Jay Reed's money. And not using it. after playing four last week, my man got veteran rest during the week last week, played four snaps against Washington. Like, yeah. It's and, I, and I'm willing to bet half of them are probably in pass coverage. So two were in like, hey, bro, we just need to drop back. Today, is, today, he, today he uh, rushed the passer six of those seven snaps. So yeah, he should be rushing seven out of seven. <laughs> he yeah, he I think he just had one in coverage. So there you go. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Well, we do have a bunch of Twitter questions. Well, I shouldn't say a bunch. We do have Twitter questions that, good questions as usual. We want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to throw out some questions. We appreciate all the love and support. Mike, are you ready to get through this, man? I am. I'm ready. What was that hesitation for you? Looked around like, did you hear something? There's like a a ringing. I don't know if it's a ringing in my ear or the fire alarm's on. I don't know. If you see me just get up and run, that means there's a fire. But I think we're okay. All right, let's kick things off with a DK question. This is regarding the future. I assume the Seahawks want to tag or re-sign DK. Should or does DK stay here or want to max out his market value? If Pete hangs around, does DK even want to stay in this current usage scheme? So I think that the last part is the, the, the real question there. It's about DK and his feelings on Pete. Because I do think that even though I haven't dug too much into DK and and what he's thinking and how much money he wants to get or the receiver market. I honestly haven't looked into that stuff. I got off season time to do that. Um, But I do think that if you're DK, the question is, do I want to continue to play for Pete Carroll? That's the question. It's like, I don't even think it's a matter of, do I want to continue to play with Russell Wilson? Like DK knows Russ is good. Even if he has like his, his, his uh, issues with Russ, I don't know if he does, but even if he was like, ah, he doesn't throw it to me in the middle of the field or some of these other beefs or whatever, whatever stuff they have to hash out during the week. Like I'm sure they, he can understand hey man number three is really good and chances are if i go to another team the quarterback will not be as good you know yeah. even if the money is good like he's Eventually. not dk not done All right would you rather play with russ um even though it's run first or would you rather um play for who's a team that might pay dk like get, play for like the giants or something like that you know get paid live in new york but get catches from daniel jones right uh, like, no not get catches from daniel jones I'm trying to think of other teams with like I think Denver has cap space, Jacksonville. Like, you just don't want, you know, the Jets. You just don't want to be on those teams if you're going to take a dip in the quarterback play, a quality of quarterback play, I should say. So it's really the, about that for DK. It, I think it's too soon to tell. I think we got to see how the rest of the season goes. Because honestly, DK wants to win too. Like, he is, he, he is, I see a lot of myself in him. He is so angry when they lose. He gives me the worst answers in press conferences when they lose. And he knows it's because they lost. He tried to fight like three dudes in Green Bay on one play because they was losing, bro. Like, he's tired of losing. Uh, so I think that 
how the season goes will determine a lot because how the season goes will determine whether Pete's here or not. And I think that's the ultimate, the, the big question in D, uh, for DK on top of how much money he would like to make. And I think some of that also contributes to um, what Terry McLaurin gets paid, what AJ Brown gets paid. Cause those are other guys from his draft class. Um, but I do think there's no world where DK takes some discount or whatever that conversation usually is because that boy signed with CAA. That's a big agency. They rep a lot of people. Shoot. They rep Russ. Um, you know, at least for his entertainment stuff, you know, they rep, I think Adam Schefter might be CAA. Like they got a whole damn basketball side too. So like CAA is a big deal. You sign with them when you want to get paid. So he wants to get paid. It's just a matter of, does he want to get paid and play for Pete Carroll? And I, I think it's too early to really know definitively. Although my guess would probably be no, unless you're also playing with Russell Willis, you know? We've got a couple of questions regarding Quandre Diggs, so I'll put them together. One of them is basically franchise tagging Quandre. Is that a possibility? And do you think Quandre even re-signs with the Seahawks next season? So I do think that the regime being in place matters. So I don't think that John and Pete would franchise tag Quandre because that number is probably going to be around like 13 mil or something like that. And if they were comfortable paying him that to play for them, they probably would have just given him an extension. You know, at something like that, because I, I don't even think they were willing to even get close to a number like that. That's just kind of my sense on it. Um, so, but if there's a new regime, then who knows, right? I think the new regime would probably want a little bit of time to figure that out and probably franchise tag them. So, no, if if the if the current regime is in place, yes, if they get a you know a new general manager or a new head coach who has personnel control, does Quandre resign here? That's the second part of that question. It's interesting because just like Frank in 20 ahead of the 2019 season, you kind of got the sense that when Frank took out that insurance policy and knew that he was playing out the season, uh, hoping to have a big season, you kind of felt like, at least I felt like Frank wanted to stay in Seattle, like going into that 2019 season, wanted to stay in Seattle, was prepared to leave if that's what it came to. And I think I, I feel like Quandra's in a similar space. Does he want to be, does he like it here? Yes. Does he want to be here? Yes. But is he prepared to go? I, I believe so. Um, and I do think that when you don't get the extension, yet I remember here, teams factor in extending you in August or whatever, especially the Seahawks, if they anticipate you playing well. So to not extend you means we anticipate you playing well and that's still not being enough for huh. us. Like they extended Tyler Lockett ahead of, I think the 2018 season i think it was because they anticipated him playing well and he didn't play that well in 2017 they anticipated him playing well same thing with cam's extension and justin Britts and Dwayne and jamal's um bobby other guys who have been extended in the summer right because they we think you're gonna play well and we think that matters to us going forward with quandre you're like mm, we think you're gonna play well but that don't really matter long term for us and it's like uh that's a that's a hit. That's hard to, to deal with. So I think when guys hear that or that's the message they get, they have to be prepared to leave. Even if they want to stay, they have to be prepared to bounce. And this guy's probably going to make the Pro Bowl again and turn 29 in January. And boy, will he be expensive. And boy, is he good at football. And it sucks for the Seattle Seahawks because they are, he's good at a position that they do not have a history of drafting well at. They've drafted one good free safety in 12 years, and it is Earl Thomas yeah so good luck trying to replace him right away like when you need to um so yeah i don't anticipate quandre being back i don't think 
uh, and that really sucks because, man, as everyone is seeing every single week, that man is good. Yeah, his fourth interception he got on Sunday against the 49ers puts him in the top five, including cornerbacks. But if you just look at the safety value, he's right there with Jordan Poyer of the Buffalo Bills, Kevin Byard of the Tennessee Titans. Like, he's in that conversation, like you said. He's going to be a pro bowler again. So the dude is a stud, and the Seahawks should – they probably missed the mark, but it is what it is. Well, also, before you get to that, real quick, like he also yep. makes plays. Oh yeah, you know, like there are always interceptions. Like the yeah, one with Jamal last week, <laughs> you know, like he cracked the tight end, and then Jamal can make that play. Like that's, yeah, man, it's gonna, uh, it's it's gonna be, it's gonna be tough uh, re- replacing that dude. So, you know, Godspeed. But hopefully, Quandre gets the bag. That'd be dope. Paying Quandre is a no-brainer, but has DJ Reed become a must-resign player for the Seahawks? So DJ Reed also plays a position that the Seahawks haven't been like great at drafting, though they've it's been interesting. Maybe they're trending in the right direction because you get Shaq with pick 90, and then you take Trey Flowers with in the fifth round, and he looks good for a year and then kind of kind of trails off. And then I'm trying to think of other outside cornerbacks they've taken. You know, it hasn't really, they haven't taken a ton in between then. And then they took Trey Brown, who I really, really like. I think we both like Trey Brown, you know, but I think DJ, he's, he's like, honestly, I think he's in, a, this is actually playing out really well. So to answer the question, yes, I think he's a must resign, but I think it's playing out really well. Like with Quandre, I think it's playing out poorly and that he's balling out and he keeps balling out in prime time too. So that I mean, everybody's like, oh man, that guy's good. He's going to make the Pro Bowl. Whereas DJ's like had some bad games then had some quiet games and then had some really good games so it's like he's kind of flying under the radar it's kind of, him and Rasheen Green I think are like having one of those like okay you're gonna be expensive but you're not gonna be like top of the market expensive it'll almost be like how Jay Reed got his deal or whatever Quentin Jefferson got from the Bills I think that was like two years 13 million or something like that a few years ago like I could see you know they extended Bradley McDougal I think one of those years on like a three-year 13 mil or something like that so i think dj would be a little bit more expensive because you know he's he plays outside cornerback but i think this is playing out to like okay you're in the extension range for us dj they got to be careful though because if dj gets his hands on a few more passes to end this year he goes from like bradley mcdougall extension category to paul richardson extension category and if you remember paul richardson had that big year he had like 700 yards seven touchdowns in uh, 2017 and then washington gave him like 40 million dollars he could dj's like right now this is good no one throws at dj he doesn't necessarily get his hands on a bunch of passes so that's really good for the seahawks you know because he's just kind of quiet but if he starts really balling then yeah you're like paul richardson territory that could get really expensive for the seahawks but yes to answer the question i think he's definitely a must resign because he's just balling at a premium position in a way and he's doing it like he he shouldn't cost you Shaquille Griffin money and the Seahawks need him <laughs> well yes and and that and he's a good dude too like he's a nice guy but that obviously doesn't factor in too much to the money part but I personally would would, would think he's a must resign is it time to trade Bobby Wagner it's such a strange question but no no it is not um I do think that long term they're probably like even if you keep Russ 
or Pete or whatever. I think Bobby's cap hit is $20 million or something next year. And I could see the team be like, whoa, that's kind of a lot. But also it's like, damn, if he makes another Pro Bowl, leads the NFL in tackles, you know, like, man, that's playing all the defensive snaps that he's playing, still playing at a really high level. Their defense is out there for ages, ages and ages and ages. And these guys still deliver, still hit hard, still get in the backfield, still fight to the very end when their offense is cheeks. To borrow one of your favorite sayings uh so no i also don't think that if you trade him you get much back no one's gonna give you like a top 50 pick and take on whatever how much the salary is so no also bobby's really good still like i know people ask me like hey you know how's bobby playing this year like good like really good seattle has a top 10 run defense and a top 10 scoring defense you know and they're like really good on third down a lot of that is Bobby Wagner. The last play of the game on Sunday, Bobby said, all right, this is what we're going to run. This is what happened, and we're going to win. There you go. Like, his his mind in that moment, his voice, that presence, that stuff matters. Does it matter enough for a $20 million cap hit? I don't know. But it matters enough that whoever asked that, stupid question. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Does this result change anything? Man. As we talked about earlier in the show, not really. Um, the result doesn't change anything. The process can have influence, though. Like we mentioned with guys playing for each other, playing for Pete. I really cannot overstate. I mean, you, if anybody's followed a really bad team, you can see when it gets ugly. You know, it, guys start pointing fingers. You get guys tweeting and deleting. You know, to what I can tell, nobody's parents have hopped on IG and posted anything. That's like the new sign that something's wrong is when somebody's mama or their wife hops on Instagram and says something about somebody. I got to follow up after you answer this. Continue. Okay. Uh, but I think we're not seeing those signs. So while the results don't really change anything, I do think the process can be informative. That's a good line. That's good. <laughs> that was good. I mean, I think that was good. Uh, so, but that's a good question though, because I do think that, that we have to think big picture with a team that's the individual games don't matter a ton unless you're talking about whether we pay this guy bring this bring this guy back in the big picture it's more like are these guys still fighting do they believe in their head coach is russ happy that's another question we have to keep asking ourselves every week so i don't know the results matter i guess in that regard for russ's mind because he wants to win like russ don't russ wants to see this little subhead that we got at the bottom of the screen that says finally a win not oh no they lost again like so in that regard the result matters but i do think mm, not really because four and eight what three percent chance of making the playoffs? Yeah, that's not that's not moving the needle much. What's your my follow? Fo- my follow up would be, if you had to pick a player's parent that would come out from the Seahawks saying A, B, and C, Pete should do this, Russ needs to do that. What parent would it be? That's a good one, and I'm I'm scary because I don't want to like put that energy on anyone's parents well, you know what don't alive. answer it you could just tell me off wax it's okay no no there's some i think i think dk's dad is a candidate um i think uh <laughs> i think if 
I don't I don't want to say his parent, but somebody in like Geno Smith's camp. Maybe I don't know his parents or a girlfriend or I could see her uh, popping off to um, Rashad Penny's pops. Uh, who else? Who else's parent could I see? Uh, oh, Jamal Adams' mom. Mm. Because her son be getting the, the blues on Twitter, man. I could easily see, uh, or his or his pops too. Uh, yeah, that that that's one. Those are my those are my candidates. Because that's I really think that that's like the new way for us to see turmoil. Like sometimes it's a leak or a report from somebody on ESPN or something. Now it's like, all right, is anybody's mama on Instagram? Post or, or anybody's spouse? I think spouses are the other one. Who was it? Baker Mayfield's girl. Oh, Matt Stafford's off. wife too was hot and beefing. oh, Matt Stafford's wife popped off. Uh, yeah, Bill Beckham's daddy. Like there's some. <laughs> once <laughs> once the spouse starts to pop off, or the mama, or the daddy, that's when you know it's some it's, drama. Uh, we don't have any of that right now, so that's that's good. Any thoughts about the offensive line performance on Sunday against the Niners? I, I do have to watch it um, again, but man. It's just like I like I said earlier. I just really want Russ to go through a game where he don't get sacked. Put it this way: I want him to go through a game where he doesn't get sacked because of the O line. Because he's probably going to have a game where he gets sacked, and maybe it's his fault. Like I think one of those today, yeah, um, it's his ball fault. too long. Yeah, like even Pete Carroll said it right after the game. Pete Carroll, who who tries really hard not to criticize Russ after the game today, he was like, "Yeah, Russ took we got." He was like, "Me and Russ got to talk about that." It was weird. He just I was like, "Damn, bro." You just on Russ these past two days, but like I, if Pete's saying it, that is how you know it was pretty egregious. Um, and I think even after Dwayne Brown gave up the quote unquote sack that I'm referring to, Dwayne's looking at him. You can see him kind of talking to him like, "Bro, get rid of the ball. Like, what are you doing back here?" Like, and I will say this real quick: people talk about DK's temperament, like his he be he, you could tell when he's really pissed and he wears his emotions on his sleeve in that way. He's like the opposite of Russell Wilson or Tyler Lockett in that way. And I understand why people aren't comfortable with that. For what it's worth, Dwayne Brown is very similar. I don't know if they showed Dwayne on TV, but that boy be hot. He be screaming. He be cussing people out. He be just cussing to himself. You know, he's that guy. He's he gets, he's visibly upset. He ain't fighting nobody um, on the field yet like DK is trying to. But I do think that it's okay for there to be those type of guys. Every team has them. Everybody can't be Bobby or Tyler or Russ where they're just stoic in moments of chaos. Somebody got to cuss somebody out, and I'm okay with that. You know, we love Doug Baldwin for stuff like that. Russ can be over there zen, chilling, and Doug can be cussing his ass out on the sideline. I think that's I think that's fine. Football, everybody ain't got to be the same in that way. I just wanted to throw that in there, you know, make it take a little bit of heat off DK, man, because no one thinks Dwayne's immature, and he he has a lot of those same emotional like outbursts, you know, on the field and off the field too, and no one seems to question his maturity. So I don't really want to do it with DK. If the Seahawks go nine and eight, do they still fire Pete in the front office? Unlikely the Seahawks went out, but I'm curious on your thoughts nonetheless. That's a good question. I I don't think nine and eight guarantees nothing. You know, I, I think it's really I don't think I think winning out would be important. Like that's great. That shows some real fight. And I think Joe Yellen has to take that into consideration. If Pete can just get his team to rally seven, would that be seven straight wins or six? Be six straight wins. Yeah, it'd be six straight wins, including like three over division opponents. I think that would be a road win, back to back road wins in the division. That would be as well, winning at LA and at Arizona to close that out. Like that would be very impressive. But I just think that 
the reason that they would even have had to win six straight, that doesn't change. You know, the fact that they've been poor up front on the O-line, the fact that they, again, try to be a run-first team and cannot run the ball, Um, the fact that they, you know, invested in defensive line in the past few years and still cannot rush the passer, the fact that they changed their scheme up front and got two of their best pass rushers, Benson and Carlos, guarding, you know, tight ends and slot receivers, that, that now they have no pass rush. You know, that's I think that the move, you know, the gamble that they took at cornerback, right? I think all of these moves put you in a position where you the best you could do is nine and eight. And those things cannot be ignored, even if you do become fortunate enough to get to nine and eight with six straight wins to end the year. Like that's all that is important. And I don't think any of that changes how Russell feel. Like, I think I tweeted this. Russ was upset when they went 12 and four. Yeah, he's still gonna be upset and one out if they're nine and eight. Like, I don't gotta talk to no sources to figure that out. I'm not stupid. Nine is less than (laughs) twelve. You know, he wants to win more games, not less. So even if he missed three of those games, um, which I guess you could factor that in if they were to go nine and eight, but I I just think that it, it, it nine and eight still means you cannot keep John Snyder, Pete Carroll, and Russell Wilson in their same roles in 2022. Somebody has to go, at least one of them. Uh, 9-8 and eight wouldn't change that. Seahawks actually have a top 10 defense and points allowed per game, but everyone still calls for Coach Noten to be fired. Do you see him as a reason for rallying the troops to play at their top level, or is Pete the reason the defense improves through the season on a consistent basis? It's really hard to determine what parts of the defense are Pete and which parts of the defense are Ken Norton Jr., the defensive coordinator. But I will say this. Whenever you're unsure, just default to Pete. Like, if the defense is struggling, probably a Pete thing. If it turns it around, probably a Pete thing, too. Now, I know you're wondering, okay, Mike, what the hell does a defensive coordinator do? We could probably spend an entire podcast nitpicking at the different things that I think that Ken's responsible for versus what Pete's responsible for, things that they probably come to agreements on. But just, I think generally speaking, when the offense is having its struggles, that's Pete. You know, like when the offense is like cooking, with the exception of like the first half of the 2020 season, when I think they were doing things that like Pete legitimately didn't like, like they were scoring so much that Pete started to blame their scoring so much on the defense. Like they tried to blame the offense for the defense's problems. That's how bad, that's how much let Russ cook didn't align with Pete. So outside of that, whenever the offense is playing well, I think that that's Pete. Whenever the offense is struggling with the exception of when it's clearly Russ, you know, I think that that's Pete, whether because of the offensive line or the run game or whatever. So Pete has his hand on everything in a way that I think is unique. Like he he's really handsy with the offense. He's really handsy with the defense. So when both of those sides are having their peaks and their valleys, he's involved to the point where you can kind of just default to him for most of the time. The only things I think you can really confidently be sure in um, is a the philosophy or sure that is uh one of the coordinators is the uh the play calling on game day i think pete maybe averages one or two play calls per game on either side of the ball like he's really just on game day he tries to let them do their thing that i can kind of say everything else though just assume that it's pete why do the seahawks play the 49ers so well and the rams awful oh that's easy uh the rams have a good coach (laughs) I don't know if the 49ers do. Like, are we ready to, is everybody ready to have that conversation yet? Because I'm really not quite sure that Kyle Shanahan's a good coach. He's what, got one winning season? 
uh, I think. I think he's got, what, a bunch of losing seasons sandwiched in between a Super Bowl appearance. And I don't think that this year they're guaranteed to to have a winning record. I think they're, what, 6-6 six and six right now? So I, I think that's the short answer. Uh, the longer answer is that the Niners are usually really banged up when they play the Seahawks. I think this is, like, how many times have... The Seahawks have had since the uh, since the uh, 49ers hired Kyle Shanahan, Russ has played every game against them. Jimmy G's like played what half of them? You know, they played what Nick Mullins twice, uh, whoever the hell Bethard or something last year. They hard. Yeah, they 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 finished the game against rookie Trey Lance uh, in Week Four of this year. So I think that's part of the equation too. You know, George Kittle's missed some of those, and Bosa blew his knee out, and you know that the whole D line was done. Yeah, they've been decimated. Before. I mean, the, the the Niners had a guy get ca- carried out of the game in an ambulance on the opening kickoff. Like that shows you how like bad their injury luck is. They had a guy last year get a concussion during a walkthrough. Like I don't even know how the hell that happened. Must so, got hit in the head. Yeah, with the yes, clearly got hit in the head. But it's like, well, it's a walkthrough. You're not even moving that fast. But anyway, my point. So yeah, the short version is the Rams have a good coach. The Niners do not. Um, the longer version is. The Niners are usually pretty banged up at very impactful positions when they play the 49ers. It was nice seeing a couple of the Seahawks. Sorry. No, you're good. It was nice to see a couple of young players, uh, excuse me, a young lineman play a little. We finally got to see Forsyth play. Who are some young players you would like to see get a little more playing time down the stretch? Okay. So the answer to this is none, but um, I want to talk a little bit about something that Corbin Smith of Sports Illustrated asked. Uh, Pete Carroll, he was like, at what point, you know, this was last week. He was like, man, you're three and eight or whatever. Like, when do you start playing some young guys to see what you got? And Pete was like, well, he's like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to play our guys that can help us win. And we can debate the decision making there. I agree with Pete. But the other thing is, who the hell would he play? Like, if you're going to play Russ, that scratches off putting out in any backup lineman on purpose. You just can't do that. That's stupid. That's how you get Russ hurt. Um if somebody gets hurt and you got to sub them in like today, fine. But you just don't pull Dwayne Brown so you can see what you got in Stone Forsyth while you're playing Russell Wills. That's how you you want to see Russ angry. That's that's how you do that. There's no one to put in on defense that you're not already playing. If you guess you want to play Alton Robinson a little more, sure. But like he's already in the rotation. Um, the rest of the offense, what are you going to do? Play Colby more than Gerald? I mean, maybe people want to do that after today. <laughs> Gerald caught some flack, but for the most part, there's not a lot of guys you'd want to swap out um, and, and, and play in, instead of uh, the guys that they're playing already. So while there's some young guys who maybe I'd like to see, but not in, in favor of the guys that are already playing, especially on offense, if you're going to play Russ, you have to play your best offensive guys. Just a fact. You know, the only other one that you could possibly suggest is you try to see what you got in Cody. So you don't play Bobby. I just think that's how you lose the locker room fast if you bench Bobby Wagner. So, no, there's no young guys I really want to see in that way. And I think Pete Carroll's right. Outside of signing 36-year-old Adrian Peterson and playing him over Josh Johnson, the rookie, that move I disagree with. Everything else, though, I think Pete's right. Play the guys you got. Try to win. Because as soon as you start basically admitting that you're not playing the best guys on purpose, that's when you lose the locker room and that's when guys tune you out. And like I said earlier... The fact that guys are still playing for Pete is probably the most positive development that the franchise uh, has going right now. If you had one power to make one move to fix one thing on the Hawks, what would it be? No rules, use all the draft capital and cap. Doesn't matter. All trades would be accepted by the other team. What'd you do, Mike? This is a good question that I thought a lot about. Um, 
But I feel like I kept coming back to the very simple answer. The most impactful thing you can do, at least if you only get one move, is to fire Pete. Uh, I know I just kind of talked him up in some instances here, but like if you think about it, there could be some pros to that move that it's hard to justify the other pros. Like, and if you consider other moves, like think about it. Let's say if my move was trade Russ. Okay, I just gave these guys a lot of draft picks and they suck at draft picks and now they don't have a quarterback, you know? So that's a problem. Uh, whereas if I'm like, well, let's just get a new coach, you know, let's just fire Pete and hire Eric Bieniemy or um, Kellen Moore or something like that. Well, and now, and I give John Snyder, you know, full control over, you know, the drafting because for all we know, Pete's the reason the drafts are bad and not John, but it's hard to tell. It, basically, I feel like if you want to make a real big impactful move, that's the main one that makes sense uh, is to get Russ a new coach that's a little bit more offensively inclined, um, that doesn't run the whole show, maybe elevate John, give him a little bit more power um, to run the show, find the new coach. So that would be the move, I think, because I think it really is going to come down to do you want Russ or do you want Pete? You can't keep both this offseason. And I've been I'm on record. Keep the franchise quarterback while he's kind of semi in that primish area there. That's that's where I'm going if you have to choose between the two. Does Seattle rotate through running backs more than other teams, or am I just notice not just not noticing other teams doing it? Also, if they are unique in rotating backs, is it a good strategy going forward? Yeah, I think their back rotation. I'll keep this one short. I think their back rotation is pretty standard. They have usually between the tackles guys, the early down dudes. You know, that's like. Rashad, Alex, Chris Carson. Now it's Adrian Peterson. And then every team has those third down guys. What's the phrase everybody uses? Change of pace. Yeah, the change of pace back. Uh, everyone has those third down guys, whether it's a little a little dude like James White or uh, what's the other guy? Darren Sproles. You know, a little, smaller guy. You got the smaller guy like the Steelers used to have. Like, yeah, like Willie Parker and like Jerome Bettis. Or like the Titans this year have... Yeah, Derrick Henry, and then they have that other dude, like McNichols or whatever. Like, that's pretty standard. The difference with the Seahawks is none of their backs are any good. So <laughs> so they got to they gotta ask everybody to do everything. Unless it's third down, then you know Travis Homer is going to be out there. Well said. All right. Is the offense fixed, or is it just the fact the Seahawks own the 49ers as usual? Yeah, I think it's a little bit more of the latter. And even then, the third down stuff wasn't, like, super great. Although, Gerald just giving the ball to the 49ers seemingly every time he touched it <laughs> just really really didn't help i feel so bad for gerald man um especially since he probably already had a rough week calling out the offensive line after the washington game did you hear that last week he was like everybody in the league knows we have problems uh pass blocking i can't imagine that went over well in the locker room like he probably had to just throw hands with like Dwayne Brown <laughs> like Tuesday for real but you just can't say that and then they just let that rock it's like bro what, why did you have to say that you know what no. anyway so on top of that and then you almost cost your team the game yeah rough uh but no I think it's more of the latter that the Niners have been a bad matchup they were really banged up at corner I think they were you know they didn't have Emmanuel Mosley for I don't know how long uh, whoever number three is for for them got hurt. I think that's one of their starting safeties. So I think that was part of it. The Niners are just like like the questioner or yeah the questioner said. Russ kind of just owns them. So 
I don't think that this means the whole thing is quote unquote fixed. But hey, it's good to sweep the Niners. That had to be fun. There's a lot of Niners fans in there uh, uh, Sunday. So sending them home unhappy, I'm sure felt great. Last one. If Russ waited to return till this game of Sunday against the Niners, would the Seahawks be in position to get to the postseason? That's a good question. The answer is no. Um, although I do think you can make an argument that Geno would have played better than Russell in some of those games where Russell struggled. That is fine. You can make that argument. However, here's my counter to that. I do think that if Geno Smith was starting those games, the Seahawks would have had more conservative game plans that were that were like emphasizing more of the run. And I think this team, outside of the second half against Pittsburgh, is bad at running the football. So they would have then had to ask Geno with his arm, late in games, presumably, to win. And as we saw, that's just not he was clutch approximately what? zero times. <laughs> well, he had to be clutch against the Jags, remember? So like he just was he was like over three, you know, with the game on the line. So I really don't think you can count on him to to do that. I think that's you gotta take that in consideration. Pete Carroll knows if I'm starting Gino, we definitely gotta run the football. Like we gotta play great defense. Well, they suck at running the football. So I we're not gonna believe that a one-dimensional Gino uh led offense gets it done. So good question. But the answer is unequivocally no. The Seahawks finally got a win. We want to thank you all for your Twitter questions. We appreciate all the love and support. Let's hope the Seahawks can keep winning. You know, let's let's keep getting the dub. Let's finish nine and eight. How's that sound? Uh, that sound. I mean, obviously that sounds great. I don't want to be flying around the country to watch some losers. You know, I flew all the way to Green Bay for them to score zero. zero. I'm really, I'm really bitter about that. I think I mentioned that in the podcast a few. All times. my money back. Yeah, cold ass Green Bay. I hear Daisy Russ out here throwing picks in the second half. Um, oh, we got time for one more thing. All right, what's up? There, there was a was there a question in there about uh, the the Garofolo thing? I feel like we have one in there about that. Yes, about the, thank about you for the, reminding me. Because I wanted yeah, to so basically like someone. The question ahead, was, man. what were your thoughts on the report about Jody Allen not being happy? Good, that's a great question. I'm glad I remembered that one because um, that that's a good one. I don't think on its face. Mike Garofolo, am I saying that right? Garofolo? Yeah, yep, you got it. I don't think Mike's report is like earth shattering. He just reported that the owner is unhappy that the team stinks. Well, yes, that that will happen, you know, if the, if the team is bad. However, I do think that with this turmoil, not turmoil, that's too strong. But when things go bad in this way, that's when people start to form their allegiances and when you start to see narratives being pushed, whether from the front office or from the head coach or from the quarterback in his camp. Just pay attention. You're going to start to see the narratives from the national people, from the local people. I'm not a puppet in that way, so can't nobody push no narrative through me, but you'll see. You'll start to see them, right? Pete Carroll said not too long ago, the only person that Jody really talks to is John. All right, well, I know she ain't talking to Mike Garofalo. If she is, she ain't giving him permission to just say what, how she's feeling on TV. There's no way she's doing that. Uh, she's super hands-off. So where's he getting that from? That's just my guess. Mike didn't tell me this. I don't know. I'm guessing. I can speculate on the podcast because it's ours. But I think that that's the most important part is that, hmm, who's trying to push us to know something right now? Where is that coming from? Why did Mike say that? Who gave him the green light to say that? So I think that 
what he said, you know, how Jody's viewing it and that she's upset is not that like, of course, she can't look at this as a one year thing. You have to evaluate how we got here, like we talked about last episode, actually. Um, but what's more interesting to me is like, ooh, it's like Game of Thrones. OK, that was a, that was a, that was a chess piece being moved. Who moved the piece and why did they move it and why did they want us to see it move? That's those are the questions that I had when I saw what Mike had to say, because like, with this team, people very rarely come out and say how they're feeling. You got to follow the breadcrumbs. You got to follow the national leaks. You got to follow the, the, the you got to, what's the, I don't know how to say it, but you get what I'm saying. It ain't going to be Blake. You got to read between a lot of lines around here. And that was a line right there. You got to read between that. So pay attention, y'all. If the losses start to pile up, people are going to push some narratives. Be careful and listen to me and Chris, because we're going to keep it straight. And we ain't nobody's puppets. Can't nobody huh. push their narrative through me, not the front office, not Russ's camp, right? So anything I give it to you is straight. So I'm tooting my own horn a little bit there, but that's important because huh. if they start more, it's going to get uglier and more national reports or even local reports are going to have agendas behind them. Ours never will. Ours never will. We're just going to give it to you straight based on what I'm hearing on all sides of the equation. So that's why I wanted to get that one out there too, because it plugs us a little bit too, to let people know we ain't no puppets. So- I'm going to give it to the people straight, even if it gets ugly the rest of the year. There it is. Thank you for reminding me of that. I don't know how I missed that one. But, yes, those, in fact, are all the Twitter questions. So, again, we want to thank you guys for all your questions. We appreciate all the love on YouTube. Like I said, we reached 1,000 subscribers. So, let's get to 2,000. Let's keep growing. Yep, yep, yep. So, we want to thank you guys again. Mike, is there anything you want to add before we get out of here? Now that that was the last thing. I to, yeah, I wanted to get that one in there because that's important. Win or lose, narratives will be formed. Be yes. careful and understand either something is true or someone wants you to think it's true. Either way, it's relevant. Well, with that, we will catch you guys next Sunday after the Seahawks and Titans or Titans, Tennessee. Jeez, Titans and Tennessee, all these T's, <laughs> the Houston Texans. After that game, we will tap in with you guys with another post-game show. Hopefully, we're looking at a five and eight team. That would be great. So with that, we'll catch you guys later. Time to your bag and I tell on your lip, yeah.